Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Yeah. I had to fail. This is The Final Word, T20 World Cup Daily, Day 9. Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins on the ninth day of the competition, brought to you by Seabus Super, making your hard work pay off. Today, South Africa took on Zimbabwe and the Netherlands played Bangladesh. Uh, we might start with a second game first, the South Africa-Zimbabwe one, because I think there'll be a little bit of talking point uh, action coming out of this, Adam. I think there'll be a few discussions, some earnest debates and so forth about the intricacies of the laws of the game. Why don't you tell us about what happened in 30 seconds or less? Yeah, it wasn't a very long game. Some late-night shopping there at Bell Oval after a long delay. We thought it would be washed out. They got on for what was meant to be a nine-over game. Zimbabwe winning the toss and batting. They got 79 for four in their nine overs after losing four quick wickets at the top due to Wesley Matavere making 35 not out. In reply, South Africa hit 40 runs in their power play of two overs. There was a rain delay. They came back. Quinton de Kock, 47 not out from 18 balls. They were 51 without loss after three overs, and that's when the covers came on for the last time and the game was complete. However, there is more to it than that. No results. Yes, an abandonment in the end uh, with South Africa within touching distance of the target and feeling probably fairly annoyed. Uh, South Africa reign World Cups 1992, <laughs> 2003, 2015. Uh, all in 50-over World Cups. I'm not sure if they've had a rain problem in a T20 World Cup before, not one that springs to mind, but uh, another one here where the South Africans will feel pretty hard done by. Uh, they were obviously going to win the game and uh, they just didn't, get the five overs required that lets you uh, make a Duckworth-Lewis calculation. And they might have actually got the runs within five overs. They only faced three overs in their innings. And such was the yeah. ferocity of Quentin de Kock's attack that they were carting the ball absolutely everywhere, or he was. So they might have even chased it within the five overs. But the umpires did their best to stay out there for a long time. The rain got heavier and heavier, and eventually they had no choice but to come off. Yeah, I think they did. I heard on the television broadcast saying that had they got back on, Mazrash, our friend from uh, from television, had calculated and passed over to Sean Pollock that the DLS uh, target would have been 46 after five overs. I think that's what he said. And they were already mm. on 51 after three. So with that in mind, we've seen this happen in the, in the Vitality Blast a couple of times in England in, in recent seasons mm -hmm. where games are ending for the chasing side. Where the rain comes inside five overs of the chase, but they're mm -hmm. ahead of the five over mark on DLS. Now, it does pose an interesting question because sure, they haven't got the five overs in, but they're already beyond the point they need to be for a game yeah. to be constituted. I, I don't know. I, I sort of feel like on that basis, the chasing side can feel a stiff to hard done by because, you know... It, I appreciate that the game hasn't got to that 
part of the that got to that juncture yet, and thus it's a, I guess, a procedural fantasing with the with the side that's fielding at that point. But if you've made it to where you need to be at over five by the end of over three, yeah. then the rain comes and you're expecting it to be a nine over game. Then shouldn't isn't that probably okay, or am I missing something here? Well, I, I think, and I, I'm sure a lot of people will be taking up that particular line of, of argument after this game and saying that mm. the team that's obviously storming ahead should be there. The thing is that the DLS target changes if a wicket falls. And so if mm. you've only faced three overs, the bowling side still has two overs to bowl, there's no way of knowing whether that bowling team is going to take a hat-trick with the first three balls of the next over. True. You know, even if a wicket falls the runs required goes up. So, you know, and perhaps if one wicket fell, then South Africa would still have been ahead of the target. If two had fallen, would they have been? I'm not sure if it were three or four. So if you've still got 12 balls to bowl, you don't know how many of those deliveries might be wicket-taking deliveries uh, and how many might concede runs. Yeah, so there is, that, 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 that's there is a good point. A, there's still an opportunity, point. the point is, for the bowling team to get into the winning position and be the one ahead of the DLS and then say, you know, that they were hard done by because 4.4 overs had been bowled and the rain had come in and they'd taken wickets in those intervening 10 deliveries and they were the ones who would have been in the winning position at the five-over mark. I think the only thing I'd add to that is that if we'd gone beyond five overs, that wouldn't be a factor. Mm-hmm. So that is to say, if it were a 30-over game where the rain comes at over 27 and they're past the 30-over yep. mark at 27, I think... It, uh, they would win. Of course, they'd already have reached their target. And, and sure. They'd be, they, they'd be pulling the stumps out of the ground because they'd already, they, they wouldn't be worrying about the rain coming down. It'd just be game over, right? So, sure. yeah, I, I think that the only reason this becomes a thing is because we, we say that five overs constitutes a game. So, again, much as it was last night with the mm. India-Pakistan finish, and we speak a little bit about that on story time that, that comes out tomorrow in your feeds, um, sometimes big tournaments uh, generate un, unusual, unlikely um, scenarios mm-hmm. that do get an extra look by the by the big dogs, and, and it might be the case that this does as well, that it's on the world stage, not a T20 blast game, and thus it might provide a, a rethink. What's frustrating is that Quinton de Kock, from a, from a pure batting perspective, I mean, mm. he did everything right. He came out and hit three fours, a six, another four, uh, in that first over, like I say, 40 from two. Even the way that he farmed the strike, he faced all bar two deliveries, having opened mm-hmm. with uh, Temba Bavuma. So, um, yeah, he, he has every right to feel pretty pretty hard done by on that basis and yeah they split the difference and Zimbabwe get out of jail they did make it to 79 though which is commendable given where they were Jeff after I guess it was the third over when they'd lost their fourth wicket there was a, a lazy run out in there direct hit um, an excellent catch from Decock as well I think that was Raza the top edge when he tried to hook uh, and uh, a couple of wickets there one to Parnell at the start a couple to Ngidi then the run out then that pair um of uh, Wesley Matavere, who made 35 not out from 18 balls, and Milton Shumba, who made 19 not out from 19 balls. They put on 60 uh, in 26 balls, which is kind of the perfect way to finish a, a white ball inning. Yep. So at least Zimbabwe, it's not as though they were, you know, they, they get this... Um, this uh, this no result point and they didn't put in some work. I mean, they did a good job to get where they did when, when batting first after all the carnage at the start. Yeah, they certainly recovered well. They played really badly the first three overs. They were basically just swinging yeah. themselves off their feet trying to, you know, everybody was trying to smear everything into the stands and it, it took a batting pair to get together at least for five minutes and take a breath and, and decide how to go after the bowling with a little bit more... Um, well, clearer decision-making, I suppose. They looked they looked 
freaked out by the actual situation of the game rather than by the bowling. It was, oh, God, we've got a nine-over game. We must attack every single ball with unparalleled ferocity and raise your cities to the ground. Um, and so Sikandar Raza getting out for a duck hooking was illustrative of that. You know, their, their most destructive hitter um, not being able to land a blow. So I thought it was really important from... Because Milton Trumba's played a couple of good little supporting hands um, we've seen during the group stage and, and Wesley Matterberry has had a couple of poor games as well but you know he's, he's a big talent for the future so those two putting it together seemed significant um, and then yeah Quentin de Kock nine boundaries in his first 12 balls or nine balls that went to the rope or over it there was one six in there uh, just an extraordinary array of hitting I suppose if you wanted to be critical you could say the other three balls if you'd hit them for six then they would have won the game um, because he would have had time to to get all of the runs before the rain came through um, but he did everything he could he was racing the clock the Quentin de clock if you will by the end and um, the, there was just nothing more he could have done. He scored so quickly and, and very nearly pulled it out of the fire. And lastly, Jeff, before we move off the, the non-result game, the second game this evening in Tasmania, a credit to the umpires, I reckon. Like They gave the game every opportunity to get on, um, yep. to play to the extent they could, and then they pulled the players off when it was clearly unsafe. Now, you can make the case that it was unsafe before then. Uh, we saw Richard Ngarva go down. We saw... Um, a couple of other players slipping and sliding. We saw some close-ups of the ball in the first innings, actually, and it looks impossible to bowl with. But mm. uh, I suppose in a situation like that as an umpire, you know that there is greater criticism coming your way if you prematurely pull the players off, given how close South Africa were to the finish target. They gave yeah. them every chance. And it, it really took until the captain, Irvine, went up to the umpires. I think the, the word on the commentary or the um, NASA Hussain said he could lip-sync um, what, what Irvine was saying was, come on, it's a World Cup here. Um, so it's not, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not, a, pub, not a pub game. So yeah. I think that they, they waited and waited and, and they had to pull them off when they did. And yeah. it proved to be the right call because the heavens opened as it had um, a couple of times earlier in the afternoon. I think they did give it every opportunity. It was absolutely pissing down by the time they had to come off. It had been raining heavily for 10 minutes by that point. I mean, you've got a spinner with the ball. How, how are they supposed to grip the ball and come in and bowl at, at that stage? And, and Sean Williams had every right to protest at that point. And Zimbabwe hadn't complained up until that stage. So, yeah, look, it's, it's hard done by for the South Africans. But I'd reiterate that point that... The five-over mark, the reason you have a minimum, is that it gives both the bowling side and the batting side some opportunity to mm. have an impact on the game. You can have a batting side that gets off to a flyer and, and score runs. You have no idea whether the bowling side might take wickets in overs four and five and, and peg things back and change the equation. So there's always that opportunity for both sides. Just because one side's on top doesn't mean they're going to win the game. And that's what DLS is all about, working out the probabilities and... and awarding results to the team that's more likely to win, but you need a big enough sample size to be able to make that judgment. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Let's go back to the first game of the day. Uh, before doing so, of course, Nasser Hussain was lip reading, not lip syncing per Millie Vanilli. That would be awkward uh, if that if that were the case. Uh, Jeff, give us a 30 second summary uh, of the first Super 12s game of the day between Bangladesh and the Netherlands. Bangladesh um, didn't look great for a while. Good power play, one for 47, but lost a wicket uh, either side of the end of the power play. And then the collapse came on against the Dutch, five for 33. They were a 76 for five at one point. There was a consolidation stand that got them up to 120 and then another couple of wickets in quick succession, a little collapse of three for 14. Uh, they were in a bunch of strife uh, at various times, but Afif Hussain 
bashed 38 runs in quick time and Mossadegh hit a couple of big blows at the end, got them to 144 and their bowling was just too good. Taskin Ahmed on a hat-trick right away, wickets with the t- first two balls, then a couple of run-outs. And uh, despite Ackerman actually making some runs for the first time in this World Cup, it was nowhere near enough. It looked closer than it was, nine-run margin in the end, but it was due to a lot of wides and, and some tail-end pogoing at the end when the result was pretty much beyond doubt. Yeah, I share that view. Nine-run margin probably flatters Netherlands the same way that it did in their final group game when they lost by like a dozen runs or thereabouts to Sri Lanka, but they were soundly beaten until some yep. late hitting um, as it was here. It was an odd game though, wasn't it? It kind of went in shifts and spurts. So as you say, Bangladesh get up to the flyer, then they lose a clump of wickets, then they consolidate quite effectively, then they lose a bunch yep. more, and then they rely on Musadek uh, Hussain to, to hit them to 144. And the same kind of happened with the Netherlands. You say, you know, two wickets in two balls, then two runouts in one over. Uh, inside the power play, they're gone, four for four for 15 or something like that. Then mm-hmm. they had that consolidation phase themselves, which is led by Colin Ackerman, who made his first half century for the Netherlands, having only qualified a couple of years ago. And, you know, Colin Ackerman wasn't playing throughout the course of 2022. He was, uh, um, uh, you know, staying true to his commitments, uh, captaining Leicestershire, but made himself available for this tournament and, and made a contribution. I think he finished with 62 or something like that. So happy for him. But, yeah, he didn't have the kind of support he required to go all the way to the finish line. And some hitting from Van Meekeren at the end, which made it look a bit better than it was. But, yeah, all told, uh, Bangladesh far from their best. And they've got issues with their death bowling. And um, they, they probably um, would want to uh, put it this way. It's their first win in this stage mm-hmm. of the tournament ever. They have been a poor T20 side, Bangladesh, more often than not. Yep. So at least they've got a win under their belt and they've won Scrappy tonight and that's not for nothing. I mean, Bangladesh have had a pretty poor lead up to this tournament as well. They've been yeah. in all sorts of dicey form trying to get a team together to contest this tournament. I don't think this game tells us a lot. I mean, they looked a pretty ordinary side during the middle of that batting innings, but that is what the Dutch can do. That's their strength, is the ability to put the squeeze on teams sometimes with the ball, to, to field well and, and to bowl tidily and to make teams make mistakes and, and be able to you know cause those mistakes to double up and triple up. So that is what happened with Bangladesh. But there's always this, there's this vulnerability with the Dutch where you think it only takes a few good overs for teams to pile things up, you know, and so a mm. score that could have been around 120 ended up being 140 plus, and then that's a different mindset for them. And then the way it started, you know, their, their weakness is generally having to chase runs, that kind of pressure that good bowling sides can put on. And Tuscan Ahmed comes in ripping first ball, like quick, takes the yeah. edge, carries to a deep set slip, low down catch, and then the next one caught behind and Colin Ackerman's been making a few first ball ducks lately and so he's coming out on the hat trick ball I mean if you were facing you know if you had a top order player that you had to bowl to you'd probably fancy Colin Ackerman uh, but he managed to survive that ball and eventually go on to play a good hand but he he took a long time to to get going and to start to look more convincing out there. Yeah, not only survive it, but he played a lovely clip through mid-wicket off middle stump too. It wasn't a bad hat-trick delivery from Taskin mm-hmm. Ahmed, who yeah, picked up Vikram Singh and Baz Delita, who's the, the, the emerging star of Dutch cricket in consecutive deliveries, which meant that you know Bangladesh were, were always going to be well on their way. And just on Taskin Ahmed, uh, it, there's been a lot of hype around him over about, I would say, six or seven years now. Mustafiza gets the headlines, but Taskin mm-hmm. Ahmed's quicker than him. Uh, and uh, you know he prides himself on being the fastest bowler in Bangladesh. I interviewed him with Mohammed Izzam in his house actually um, when I was in Bangladesh yep. all the way back in 2017. So it's a long time ago, five years ago. But he's one of these bowlers who isn't too worried about 
landing the ball in a shoebox, you know, four or five times and over. He just wants to bowl quickly. And when he gets it right, yep. he has the rhythm, uh, has the strength in the upper body and, and all the rest of it. So I'm thrilled to see him have a great start to the World Cup. Two at the start and two at the end. And the other bit about Bangladesh that always kind of befuddles me is Mossadegh Hussain, Jeff. And I know I've whinged about this before, but like, I don't think his offspin is particularly crash shot, yet he's batting at number eight. He strikes me mm -hmm. as a guy that, like, surely you want a guy who can hit the ball as well as him to face as many deliveries as possible. Hiding down at number eight is a bad, it's a bad allocation of resources. And, yeah, hopefully the fact that he finished with, what, 22 not out from 12 balls, something like that, mm -hmm. um, provides pause for the powers that be. And maybe he can go back further up the order where he should be. Because, you know, if you see him making runs, Litton does missed out today, but he's had a really good 2022. Uh, we saw Shanto, uh, um, Batwell, uh, and Afif as well. So they've, they've, they've had a few players yep. today make runs. It's just about mm -hmm. getting the right combination together. And, look, they, they, they'll, they'll, they'll be... Uh, there'll be, I suppose, the the five seed in that group or the four or five seed mm -hmm. in that group if you're being realistic about who they're going to cop in the next couple of days. But, you know, if they can take out one of the big dogs, they can have an influence in this tournament, however unlikely it is that they'll advance to the final four. Well, Afif was saying he got lucky as well. He was dropped at deep mid-wicket by yeah, Tim was, Pringle, yeah. who, who himself benefited um, from a drop catch when Netherlands beat the UAE in the previous stage. So that was key as well. Had Pringle taken that catch, then that would have piled a lot more pressure on Bangladesh at that point. And Afif Hussain went on to hit a few big blows and make some quick runs that ended up being decisive in the end. So you have one fielding lapse and that can be the thing that really stings, I suppose. And, you know, Ackerman and Edwards just a bit too slow in their rebuilding phase, really. So they needed 53 off the last 24 balls and, and that was really asking too much. Ackerman yeah. ends up out in the 17th over for 62. And then, yeah, a bunch of wides. Although there, there was a point where they needed 18 from the last last three deliveries where it was theoretically possible, um, but it, it wasn't likely to happen with the 10th wicket partnership in. Uh, should yeah. we have a look at a Hall of Fame? Uh, just on, on route to that, just a few positives for the Dutch. So I think that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tim Pringle taking a wicket early in his spell, his first ball actually to get rid of Shanto. Yeah, I just think that across the tournament, the advantage of him, of them making the Super 12 is that Tim Pringle is going to play all of this world-class cricket. I think he's going to be a star, that bloke. So, one to watch there. Great catch uh, from uh, Baz Delita. Didn't contribute with the bat, but did take a great catch to get rid of Shakib Al-Hassan. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had one other positive there. What was it? I can't remember anymore. There were a few positives. Let me just say that. Oh, um, mm -hmm. Van Meekeren hitting the stumps again at 145 clicks. So, uh, and he made runs. So, you know, there, there, there's stuff there. That I'd love to see them pinch a game in this Super 12 mm -hmm. stage and um, that would be, yeah, just to shake up the group, uh, something we'd all celebrate. And yes, now we can move on to the Hall of Fame, Jeff. Very good. The final word, Hall of Fame, is uh, where we pick our most final word moment of the day. It's brought to you by CBUS, which is one of Australia's largest industry super funds established in 1984, created by Workers for Workers. Uh, we've worked with them before some time ago. We're very glad to have them back for the T20 World Cup. Yeah, one of the best performing super funds in Australia, an average return of 8.88% over the last 38 years, Jeff. Um, I don't know an awful lot uh, about the financial markets, but that sounds like a pretty mm -hmm. bloody good average return. Uh, that, well, that, it's that's, good that's numerology too. I yes, mean, it is. You know, in, uh, in, in certain facets of Chinese culture, the number eight is considered very lucky. So three eights in a row, bonanza. <laughs> uh, they manage $74 billion of funds for their members across Australia. So we spent the first couple of days just reminding people of who CBUS are and where they fit in. As you say, they've been great supporters of us. So visit cbussuper.com.au. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. But uh, And also, Jeff, I've been doing some work uh, on, the, uh, on, on the on the little jingle that we had um, when CBUS 
okay. with us before. So watch this space for tomorrow. If you're a long-term watcher and listener to the show, I suspect you'll be pleased by what comes on day 10 of the Final Word Daily. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Uh, the Hall of Fame, look, I've, I am rife, I'm replete with uh, with possibilities. I thought Shanto needs a nod for his run out. The, the fact that he had to chase a ball down to the boundary, put in a big slide to save four, and then has the wit and the presence of mind to spring up, dart back in and fire in a throw uh, that runs, that yeah. affects the run out while the Dutch batters are coming back for a third. I mean, that was a brilliant piece of work just to start with. Yes, good first nomination there to get us underway in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm going to pop Quinton de Kock in there, not for his batting, but for, and not for his wicket-keeping either, that fabulous catch-off mm. uh, Sikandaraza, but the five penalty runs. Now, two parts to this. One is the, um, how it happened, right? So it looks like he threw his glove on the turf, the throw came in from the outfield, hits the glove, and therefore it's five penalty runs. But how about... Mm -hmm seemingly nobody at Bell Reeve Oval apart from the umpires knowing that you get an extra delivery for that. I must admit, I don't think I knew that. Um, and no. the, television, the television broadcast was about to go to an ad. Uh, and uh, in the end, that seventh delivery did net them a wicket, um, South Africa, mm -hmm. in that... Was it the last over? I think it was the last over. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, the last, but, yeah. last ball of the match. So you get an extra delivery, a rebold ball, when, uh, hmm. when after conceding five penalty runs. I did not know that. But we all know it now. Yes. Because because the ball is not allowed to touch a piece of equipment that is not attached to a player. So yeah, Decock drops the glove and then drops the ball onto the glove and and away we go. Um, let's see what have we got. I, I enjoyed uh, Richard and Gravo walking off when the rain was falling with a towel over his head just to cover up his <laughs> his precious hair so that it didn't get I, messed up by the rain. I like the way that he laid on the turf when like I'm not sure if he really hurt himself seriously when slipping over but he was milking every second out of that and fair play to him I mean if I were him I would have insisted on the on the uh, on the on, on the golf cart to take him off to kill yet mm -hmm. more time in a situation like that you've got to do whatever you can to let rain intervene so well I hope he's hope his ankle's okay it's one of those it, it's one of those horrible positions for the umpires though who as you alluded to earlier probably deserve a Hall of Fame nomination for keeping the yeah. game on but but that's what they're worried about is players slipping and I think it was a genuine slip you know he stepped off the oh, cut sure, strip sure. and his, his foot went out from under him and there was a nasty twist to the ankles so um, yeah, he's, he may be in some strife and, and they need him. Um, I enjoyed a little bit of wisdom from Pommy and Bangua when the Zimbabwe batters were swinging as hard as they could and not connecting. He said, you don't need to hit it for seven. And I thought, <laughs> that's applicable to, to life more broadly sometimes. You don't need to hit it for seven. Just hit it for six. Um, and, 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 and maybe on that basis, Jeff, we should pull the pin because it's nearly midnight. I've got an early flight back to Melbourne where I'll be joining you. So let's not hit this for seven. We've already gone plenty tonight. Uh, well, on a night where only 1.5 games were played. <laughs> I, I have to throw in Tuscan Ahmed very nearly getting the five for the, t oh, the yeah, Yorker yeah. tailing in to middle stump against the number 11 with the last his last ball of the match and, and not quite being able to uh, to polish things off that was um i was i was hoping for a for a different moment there just for Tuscan Ahmed's sake to get the five for um and also the bangladesh uh, vest fielder one of the sub runners just coming onto the field to field a, a four and throw it back before it had reached the rope like it's not club cricket get off the field you're not playing <laughs> you can't just go oh that's four i'll decide that's four before it reaches the rope and intervene absurd stuff but it was funny we'll decide who comes here and on what terms they come uh jeff that's it
That's that's has mm-hmm. been the final word daily. If you like what we do, patreon.com forward slash the final word. We'll be making one of these every single day of this 2022 T20 World Cup. Uh, thank you to CBUS Super, making sure your money is as working. Oh, I, I got this wrong the other night too. It's making sure your money is working as hard as you are. There you go. That's better. CBUS mm-hmm. Super, making hard work pay off. Visit cbussuper.com.au. We're so good to have them back with us uh, through this <laughs> tournament. Uh, and I'll be back with you tomorrow, Jeff. We've got a nice big interview lined up for the weekly show and after that we'll settle in to watch some cricket and we might maybe just wander down to the Melbourne cricket ground and, and film the uh, and film the podcast down there even though there is no cricket in Melbourne tomorrow how's that sound sounds great I'll see you tomorrow uh, ta-da. I had to go about it